Welcome to Court of Opinion. I'm Eric Gonzalez. And I'm Mike Stern. All right, man. We are almost to the end here. Uh, we've got only a couple more finals games to go. The Olympics have started, at least the exhibition games have started. Got some new hires to discuss, as well as uh, some potential trade rumors that are already heating up. And then we'll get to everybody's favorite segment. What's the verdict? Well, I will ask you a couple of questions and you will tell me whether that person or situation is guilty. Let's get after it. The NBA Finals, Bucks get a win. Series is now 2 1. Giannis has had straight 40 and 10 in NBA Finals games. What do you think of the series thus far? Um, honestly, it's going a lot like how the previous couple series for the Bucks has gone. They started out losing their first two games and then making a really strong statement in their third game. So it's really following the same sequence that it's been. Thank God for them that they didn't waste another 40-point, 10-point performance by Giannis because it really sucks for him to put up a 40-point, 10-rebound game in the finals and lose that one. But um, I really do think that even though it seems like the Bucks had no chance whatsoever when they were down 2-0, I still think that this series is going to be at least a six- or seven-game series. I originally called seven games. You called six. I still think that that's going to hold true. Um, I think that the, the talent gap between the two teams is a lot closer than a lot of people um, would imagine. And I would argue that the Bucks have the best overall player. So um, on any given night, if Giannis shines bright enough, it may be enough to carry them over the hump, whereas the Suns are more a collection of a lot of good to great parts that basically can overcome you by using a great team effort. And if one of their best guys doesn't have a good game, it's fine because they can probably rely on some other pieces to pick up the slack. So um, I'm not really surprised with what I'm seeing thus far. I think what's surprising to me is the fact that Giannis has been this dominant in, in uh, some of the previous series. We've seen that they've turned really to Chris Middleton as the closer in the end of some of those games because he offers a little bit more versatility as a more consistent three-level scorer. And um, it seems like teams had put up a Giannis wall consistently and had found ways to keep him out of the paint and also sending him to the free throw line seemed to be a good technique. Um, every time he tried to go inside, they found and put him on the line, but this series has been different. Um, he's honestly just kept putting his head down the whole game and has really asserted himself. And I think that you can't look at this finals, no matter how it ends up and not say that he's not having one of the best finals ever because through three games he's putting up averages that only the best of the best have ever put up he's up there with people like Shaquille O'Neal Michael Jordan and LeBron James for some of the accolades that he's putting on so far so um, I think he's doing great but I, I still expect the Suns to win it in the end probably in seven games in my opinion just like I originally predicted yeah I don't I don't know if it's going to even go that far. Um, I think overall uh, this series is going to come down to surprise, surprise, Drew Holiday. Uh, you have him in his first game really not playing well. He's slowly gotten better over the subsequent two games, but you can't have a guy that you traded one guy who everybody complained about for his point guard uh, ability. You trade two first round draft picks, draft swap rights for 
two more draft picks um, and then give him a $160 million max contract at his age to play the way that he did the first two games. Um, he's supposed to be a guy who spaces out the floor for Giannis, helps distribute. And yeah, he did that last game, but he hasn't really played to the level that people expected him to play. And I think if this series ends up going to five games or only to six, there will be a lot of question marks and continued analysis of whether the Bucks really did the right thing in for so long when he didn't contribute as much as they thought he would have. Yeah, funny that you mentioned that. Um, first of all, I was never a fan of them giving up all of these assets for Drew Holiday just because even though I think that Drew Holiday is the better player compared to Eric Bledsoe, I just didn't think that he was that significant of an upgrade to warrant giving up the assets that they did. And I actually saw a stat recently that compared their production um, side by side in the playoffs in Milwaukee. And it seems like they are identical stats, pretty much the exact same. Drew Holiday has an edge in points and assists by a smidge, but barely anything. And it seems like a lot of Bucks fans are kind of aware of that, that really offensively, he's not really bringing anything more than Eric Bledsoe brought. But I think that they're trying to tell themselves that it's because Drew Holiday is such a better defender that that's why it's worth it. But in my opinion, I mean, I think he's a better defender than Eric Bledsoe, but Bledsoe is a solid defender too. It's really like, almost like Drew Holiday is just rich man's Eric Bledsoe. That's really what it seems like to me. But um, yeah, I agree with you. If, if Drew Holiday were playing better, this series would probably be the Bucks' to have. But since you probably can't count on him to uh, consistently show up the way that many Bucks fans had hoped, I still see the Suns taking the series. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it'll be definitely disappointing for Giannis overall. And also you have to think, unless they're going to end up trading Drew Holiday, uh, this is going to be the person that Giannis is stuck with for several years. So you hope that he plays better because it's really going to be a core of Chris, Drew, and Giannis for the foreseeable future. So if they can't get it done now, you're going to have Brooklyn, who's going to be at full strength next year uh, and likely will make their way to at least the Eastern Conference Finals to battle the Bucs. Um, and if not, there's a slew of other teams in the East that will get better. The Hawks will continue to get better. We'll see where John Collins goes and see if he ends up lifting up another team that was on the cusp. We'll see if Ime Udoka does well with the Celtics and gets them into the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So there's a, there's a lot of teams that go through th to the East, and you hope that Giannis is able to get it done. But I think that the Suns are going to be too much, and I think the uh, loss – uh, is going to make them more motivated to close us out in five games. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but moving on to some Olympic basketball, the U.S. Olympic men's team had lost two straight exhibition games before finally getting their first exhibition win against Argentina. Um, I know that when we first discussed the U.S. Olympic team, we were both – on agreement that this was probably the favorite to win the gold in the Olympics. After what you've seen through three exhibition games, do you think that they are probably still the favorites for gold? Yeah, I do. I, it's, it's exhibition games. I, I don't think that uh, you can 
chalk this up to them not being prepared or them not being ready. Overall, you have to remember that these guys are playing with the different set of rules of FIBA. It usually takes guys to get a couple games to get adjusted. You saw some videos coming out of Zach Levine getting training for different ways that things would be called travels instead of uh, how it's traditionally called in the NBA. Obviously, there's been some troubles with fouls because FIBA is known to be more lenient overall with touch fouls versus the NBA that has gotten way too ticky-tacky over the last couple of years. So I think there's going to just be an adjustment period. At the end of the day, these guys are professionals, and I think that they're going to end up um, blowing out teams or at least beating them uh, when it comes to the actual Olympic play. But they definitely need a couple of uh, warm-up games. I'm not too familiar with the Uh, international schedule overall but I think that a lot of these players especially people like Dame um, Jason Tatum recently just came off of a long season where they didn't have a lot of of a break from the prior season and then they went straight into the uh, playoffs as well so they there's a lot of miles that are on their legs them straight going into Olympics and now having to adjust I, I just think it's an adjustment period um the, the overall roster for Team USA um, is great. And I think you saw last game with Draymond and Bam, two big, uh, big men who are passers overall, starting to open up the game, which is what you need, that free-flowing style of offense in FIBA. Uh, I do think that that's going to lend itself. So I think that they'll end up getting it done. I think it's just shaking off the rust against, honestly, a, a good Nigeria team and a good Australia team like, you know, we talk whatever we talk about Ben Simmons, but um, Ben Simmons overall would make that team pretty elite for the Aussies. Yeah, no, God, definitely. I think that they're still the favorites, in my opinion. Like you said, it's just exhibition games and they still have a lot to figure out. Um, going into some of the exhibition games themselves, a quick summary. The United States lost by three points to Nigeria, 90 to 87. Um, and that game we saw the poster block by the Heat's Precious Achua on Kevin Durant. Um, That was probably the highlight play of the game. But outside of that, you have to give credit to Gabe Vincent, um, someone who's not really a household name at all, but he's a role player for the Miami Heat, comes off the bench for them, hits six of eight from three, and is largely the reason they were able to win that game. Um, Remember, the three-point line in the Olympic game is a little bit closer than in the NBA game. So I think that a lot of the U.S. men's team was um, sagging off a little bit too much at the line, not taking into account the fact that the jumpers from this range are much more easily made threes. Um, This game, we saw that basically there was just a lot of isolation-heavy play. And I think that that's probably the theme of why they lost the second game as well. Um, it just looked like a team that doesn't really have an identity yet. It seems more like a team that knows they have a bunch of individually great players that are used to having the ball that are just taking turns. They're like, all right, you try to do something. Now you pass me the ball. I'm going to try to do something. And then maybe next time it'll be Tatum's turn. And then we'll throw it back to Durant and let him do something. It doesn't really seem like there's like a, an actual team chemistry in place And that's another thing to take into account. A lot of the um, other national teams that are in the Olympics have lots of experience playing with one another and have players on their team that have been playing together for quite some time to at least help establish some semblance of a culture 
and team identity. So I think that Team US is still establishing exactly what that is. And um, we saw a little bit more of that when they played Australia or uh, when they played Argentina. Final score, 108 to 80. Obviously looked a lot more like themselves. Um, the scoring was a lot more distributed in this game with all five scorers scoring in double figures. Um, the Argentina team is obviously much more undermatched compared to the other teams, which boast um, a handful of NBA players each. And then again, um, with Australia, probably one of the most competitive teams that the U.S. will see in the Olympics will be Team Australia, who got a masterful game from Patty Mills, putting up 22 points and four assists. But if you watched him play, it was the degree of fearlessness and difficulty which which he attacked um, the U.S. men's team's defense. He was making a lot of tough shots and he honestly just gutted that one out and led his team to the victory. In the end, it seemed like the U.S. couldn't buy a bucket, even in the open ones. So, um, like you said, some of it is rust and some of it is just finding a team identity. But I'm sure that um, when the actual games begin, we'll see a much more cohesive unit. Like you said, just exhibition games, still trying to figure a lot of things out. Yeah, I agree. But Moving on from that, uh, speaking of the Aussie, Ben Simmons, recent reports suggest that the Sixers are openly discussing trades for Ben Simmons and would like a star in return. There were some rumors about this, but uh, Shams uh, did report on this, so it does seem like it has more steam than in weeks past. So what do you think are some likely destinations uh, for Ben Simmons next year? Yeah, first of all, I think that this is not even a, a spicy rumor or anything like that. This is like news that everybody knows. Everybody knew that Ben Simmons was on the trading block. The second his own coach couldn't commit to saying if Ben Simmons could be a starting point guard in a championship team. The second your own coach can't say that about you. I mean, the goal is to win a championship. If your own coach can't say that about you, then you're on the trading block. That is obvious but um, obviously Ben Simmons's trade value was at an all-time low after the playoff performance he had. So I don't think that the 76ers are quite um, in the same position to get assets from him as they were maybe in the first half of the season when everything was going great for the Sixers and the narrative was there. So I think that for them, the two best destinations, and I think what would make sense I mean, for all sides, would probably be a trade to either the Portland Trailblazers or the Golden State Warriors, because realistically, those are probably the only two teams in the NBA that I can see Ben Simmons getting traded to, where his skill set would be already surrounded by complementary pieces that make sense around him, meaning a ton of shooters, because he can't shoot. So he needs to be surrounded by a team that's got every other player on the court be a three-point threat. That's the three... That's the three-point shooting Warriors with Clay Thompson back and, and the Portland Trailblazers. Also, the Blazers need to shake it up with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They're both guards that play a similar brand of basketball that seem to just run a bunch of isolation plays. They're too redundant, their skill sets, and I think that um, they're always just going to be at a disadvantage on defense when your starting backcourt is two guys under 6'4". So at least on that sense, 
you get Ben Simmons, the highly touted defender, which would improve the defense, which in Portland has been an issue for many years now, and would surround him with a ton of shooters. And on the Warriors, same thing. You could trade him for Andrew Wiggins. And if you're the Sixers, you get a defensive-minded wing who showed, or a newly defensive-minded wing, who showed a lot of improvement on that end of the court. Um, he showed the ability to knock down three-pointers when open. He's honestly become a really solid complementary wing, which is something that the 76ers badly need. They need a guy that has size on the perimeter that can also knock down an open three-pointer besides Tobias Harris. So I think that um, it would be a win-win for all sides. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those. Obviously, people talk about potentially going to the Timberwolves, but I don't think the Timberwolves are going to be trading Carl uh, Anthony Towns or trading D'Angelo Russell because they're good friends. They don't want to trade Cat. So if they trade Russell, then I think it could be the writing on the wall for Cat. And I don't think they're going to trade Anthony Edwards after his stellar rookie season uh, for somebody who it does have a low trade value right now. So I do think that Portland and Golden State make the most sense overall. I think Golden State would have to be comfortable letting Andrew Wiggins go, which he seems like he actually does fit well on that team as a three and D option, similar to like what Harrison Barnes used to do. Um, so I don't really see the, the other teams in the NBA really being able to make a significant offer for Ben Simmons. And I almost think Ben Simmons may not be playing in the Olympics because he didn't want to up his trade value. At least now he can go start back at Philadelphia and hopefully salvage the relationship there. But I think if he would have gone and played in the Olympics and actually done well, people would have been like, oh, yeah, no, I'll trade for him. And we've been out of Philadelphia. So I think it was a protectionist measure against him potentially going to one of those teams. Yeah, it'd be an interesting strategy for sure. I think that regardless of what he did this summer, the Sixers are looking to move him, whether it's sooner or later. The experiment has gone on long enough. It's not just this season. I mean, they've tried the Embiid-Simmons dynamic now for many years. You basically saw the best case scenario of what that could look like in the early half and middle portion of the season that just ended. And you saw what it looked like in the playoffs. It's just not a good fit. They don't, they don't complement each other. They're just not ideal fits with each other. So if you're the Sixers, you're likely going to keep Embiid because he's the one that's proven to be a better franchise building block at this point in his career. So I mean, that means Simmons is gone at some point, for sure. Yeah, I agree. First-time coaches, uh, the Magic hired Jamal Mosley, Pelicans hired Willie Green. Uh, what do you think of these two hires for these teams? Um, they're, they're kind of surprising names in the set. I don't know that there are a bunch of people who had these guys' names on their radar at the beginning of the coaching carousel when all these vacancies were starting to open up but in retrospect it would seem to make sense for both teams um i guess we can start out by looking at the hire of jamal mosley jamal mosley is someone who is really beloved among players he's widely known as a player coach lots of guys around the league who have played before and in the present were really really happy to hear that he got hired and he was honestly really beloved by Luka Doncic, too, in his role with the Mavericks. So as much as 
people maybe didn't see him coming. He does have a good amount of experience. He has been an associate coach um, for seven years with the Mavericks. And he was with the Cavaliers before that and the Nuggets before that. So he has been around. He has experience. He's seen a lot of different situations. And he has the respect of a lot of players around the league. So um, I think that it's a solid hire. Uh, the Willie Green hire, he's got a little bit less experience in terms of longevity of resume. He's definitely going to be a younger coach in the league at 39 years old. But the short experience that he has had has been on winning situations. He was previously with the Golden State Warriors, where he won two rings with them and is currently an assistant coach with the Phoenix Suns and is in the finals right now and possibly could be in line for a third championship already. Um, both former players, but Willie Green, defensive-minded guy who Michael Bridges of the Suns credited with his development on defense. He seems like a good fit for a Pelicans team that really lacks on that end of the, uh, on that end of the floor. If the Pelicans probably were better defensively, they may have made the playoffs because offensively they can score. They just get outscored on a regular basis. So I think hiring a defensive-minded young coach that is relatable, has been in winning situations, knows what a championship team looks like, is something that will get the respect of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And I think that he could, if he can get them to buy in, can probably hopefully bring out the best in their very high defensive potential yeah i agree with both points that you made but with that i'm eric gonzalez i'm mike Sturr. court is adjourned <laughs>